Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Union, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour's talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here's your host, Jim Manfredonia. Good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come to Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, it is a great joy for me to be here with you as we come together on these Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, and today on this uh, feast of St. Jude, uh, St. Simon and Jude, actually, but St. Jude gets all the, uh, all the, all the, uh, the uh, hoopla, I guess. Uh, wonderful go-to saint. Saint of hopeless cases. Um, so we uh, take all of our intentions today. I, I hope that you're doing that. Uh, St. Jude has uh, been given that a great task of uh, interceding when all things seem impossible, right? So anyway, we'll talk a little bit more about that briefly. Uh, it is uh, Wednesday. The Holy Father did uh, a general audience this morning. And... Um, Today, he was actually addressing um, respect life. He was talking about just the, every, all hearts being inspired to respect life. A horrible thing happened. Uh, well, a good thing happened in Poland, but uh, the result of that is, is you see the presence of evil. Um, talk a little bit about that. Uh, and so, Holy Father today invoked the intercession of St. Pope John Paul II for uh, this need, but we'll talk into detail about that, so I hope you stay for that. And then I also thought we'd also go back, we started this a couple weeks ago, and, and uh, one of the, the uh, most, in my life anyway, one of the most influential writings of St. Pope John Paul II, uh, for me, one of the first, I think it actually was the first encyclical letter that I ever read, a papal encyclical letter, when it came out back in 1993. Veritatis Splendor, the Splendor of Truth. It really touched my heart, and uh, the Holy Father used the Gospel account of the rich young man and the question that he posed to our Lord, Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? And that kind of touched my heart. It was at a time in my life when I was discerning, I, I think without even knowing it, the Holy Spirit was tugging at my heart in many ways. And uh, it touched me and said, well, what must I do? And I think we all need to ask that question. What must I do? So we'll talk about that as well. Now, I am pre-recording a little earlier today. Uh, I had an appointment this afternoon, so I'm not live with you right now. So there is no video in case you're flipping around on YouTube or Facebook. No no live video today. So this is a pre-recorded program a little earlier in the day. I had to come in this morning and do this before I had my appointment this afternoon. A lot of things going on here at the Apostolate. <laughs> Good things. And just regular business uh, as we get closer to the end of the year. A lot of things in that area that have to be done as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm uh, getting older. <laughs> Still the jack of all trades, though. Master of none. But doing everything I put today, I'm wearing many other hats. So, anyway, that all being said... I am so thankful, my brothers and sisters, that you are here 
during these very strange and confusing times. But, you know, um, as we approach the month of November, Election Day, and, of course, the beautiful season of Advent, uh, which is, I think, although I love Christmas and Easter, Advent for me is just that, that it, it really gets me um, uh, invigorated in the faith because it has that wonderful uh, feeling of, of, of joyful anticipation leading up to Christmas. Uh, but as I shared with you, we are going to be having our Radiothon December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. We didn't have it in the spring, obviously, because of the pandemic. But we have to have it. We have to end this year uh, fiscally sound. And we're not there because we didn't have the radio sign. We have enormous financial needs right now. And so we are going to have our radio thon December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. It will be a bit different than past radio thons because we won't have all the wonderful brothers and sisters here in the building with us. Uh, they're going to be remote, just like everything else during this pandemic year has been remote everywhere else. Uh, our, our wonderful team will not be here phys- physically, although Bruce will be here with me and, and Linda, his beautiful wife, Cheryl, will be here. Um, but everybody else will be off-site for the most part. So it's going to be different, but we do need you. So as we begin our prayer time today, my friends, I'm going to ask you please to keep uh, the apocalypse in your prayers because we really have to succeed in this radiothon, uh, and I'll share a little bit more with uh, with that with you about that uh, later on. Uh, but keep that in your prayers, December second, third, and fourth. And we, as I said uh, a week or so ago, you know, we had a, a conference call with the radiothon core team, a wonderful gathering of uh, dear friends of the apostolate to start to plan this, and we all really felt. Uh, inspired to use the image of the lighthouse. That in the rough seas that were and that are this year, uh, the many, many uh, difficulties that we find ourselves going through, the storms of 2020, that we're praying that people realize and recognize that domestic church media and our radio stations and our apocalypse has never shut down. We never closed our doors. The light here has always been shining, the light of the gospel leading brothers and sisters to the safe harbor of our faith. And so we're praying that next month, December, or I should say in December, and we're still in October, aren't we? December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, people will open their hearts in Thanksgiving to that very uh, situation that we were always here. We never shut down. We never locked our doors. Uh, we never went dark. We've been here, and God willing, will be here for years to come, but we need you so, and all of our supporters and benefactors. So please keep that in prayer right now. We're praying the prayer to uh, Our Lady under the uh, title of the Immaculate Conception for our country. And here we go, uh, last few days now, leading up to Election Day. And uh, again, brothers and sisters, you know, today as we celebrate the feast day of St. Simon and Jude, St. Jude, the patron saint of impossible causes. You know, we want to always pray that we vote, number one, it's our civic duty, it's morally obligated to vote, uh, that we vote with a well-formed Catholic conscience and that this nation votes for life. Basically, it all comes down to that, doesn't it, in all areas of both political party platforms, uh, that when our 
founding fathers declared independence based on the fact that all men are created equal and given unalienable rights by our Creator, by God Himself, of life, and life being the first one, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That the individuals who are elected into these very important uh, offices of representation, and that's what it is, let's remember that, we the people are represented by the people we put in, in, into office. Uh, they're not there to dictate to us or control us. They're there to work for us. We are a government of, by, and for the people. Let's never forget that. That these individuals from the president down are men and women who are working in compliance with the will of Almighty God. And that we put the right people there in those positions. Again, we don't endorse any particular candidate. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago the party platforms of each the Republican and the Democrat uh, party and the diversity uh, and uh, of, of, of the platforms. And we have to, you have to make up your mind based on your well-formed Catholic conscience, which is the better of the two to keep this country based and operating on and living by the basic Judeo-Christian principles upon which it was founded. All the other stuff, the rhetoric and opinions and all the other things that are out there, my brothers and sisters, we have to really weigh that with our well-formed Catholic conscience. So we go to our Blessed Mother under the title, as, a, as the patroness of our country, of the Immaculate Conception and the Most Holy Trinity, and we place our country in her immaculate hands as she presents it to her son. So let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Most Holy Trinity, our Father in Heaven, who chose Mary as the fairest of your daughters. Holy Spirit, who chose Mary as your spouse. God the Son, who chose Mary as your mother. In union with Mary, we adore your majesty and acknowledge your supreme, eternal dominion and authority. Most Holy Trinity, we put the United States of America into the hands of Mary Immaculate in order that she may present the country to you. Through her, we wish to thank you for the great resources of this land and for the freedom which has been its heritage. Through the intercession of Mary, have mercy on the Catholic Church in America. Grant us peace. Have mercy on our President and on all the officers of our government. Grant us a fruitful economy born of justice and charity. Have mercy on capital and industry and labor. Protect the family life of the nation. Guard the precious gift of many religious vocations. Through the intercession of our mother, have mercy on the sick, the tempted, sinners, and all who are in need. Mary, Immaculate Virgin, our mother, patroness of our land, we praise you and honor you and give ourselves to you. Protect us from every harm. Pray for us that acting always according to your will and the will of your divine Son, we may live and die pleasing to God. Amen. And we'll pray our prayer to St. Michael the Archangel and also the ancient prayer to our Blessed Mother, the Subtum Presidium prayer, that Holy Father Pope Francis asked us to pray every single day. Back in, in August of uh, 2018, Pope Francis told Catholics, to pray to St. Michael the Archangel every day, and also to pray this beautiful ancient prayer to our Blessed Mother, the Subtum Presidium Prayer. We fly to thy protection prayer. 
to our Blessed Mother to protect the Church from the attacks of the devil. We've added that, my friends, the intention uh, to these prayers to protect our country, the United States of America, from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God, do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. St. Pope John Paul II, pray for us. And Our Lady of the Good Remedy, pray for us. And today, uh, St. Simon and Jude, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, my friends, I thank you for praying. And, you know, as I said, and, and sadly we received a couple more requests for the prayers. I ordered 5,000 of them uh, back in July. And as of last Friday, we have none left. So that is good news. We sent out over 5,000 of these prayer cards praying. So we're praying that they're being distributed and have been distributed and people are praying to our Blessed Mother under the title of the Immaculate Conception, for our country. Very, very critical time, my friends. Very critical, very serious. But don't lose hope. As I said, and I've been feeling over the past month or so, and I don't have any insight to the mind of God, obviously, but I, I do believe, and I think through prayer, Penance, sacrifice, fasting. We're going to see the manifestation of divine intervention of the most extraordinary kind. I don't know what, how, when, where, in what manner, but I think there will come a moment in the next, well, I don't know how many days or weeks, but we're going to have a realization of how the hand of God has intervened in the life of our nation. I don't know what way that's going to happen. I don't know how. But remember this. As, you know, we, last week we celebrated the feast day of St. Pope John Paul. Remember his words on that first homily that he gave, to not be afraid. Open wide the doors to Christ. And there are so many faithful Catholics and faithful Christians and faithful people of the Jewish faith and, and faithful uh, members of other faiths and religions that believe in, in what this country was built upon and believe in what this country stands for. And, you know, I think it all comes down to truth. What is the truth? Is truth being disseminated openly and, and, and freely? Or is it being suppressed? But God will open the hearts and minds of men and women 
in some way. I don't know. Again, I have no idea what's going to happen. No one, no one knows what the next minute holds, let alone the next uh, couple of days and weeks. But there is so much prayer out there. There are so many people. And I think now, these last few days leading up to the election, uh, prayer, fasting, penance, I think, you know, we just become fervent in that, spend as much time uh, before the Blessed Sacrament as you can, spend as much time praying the rosary, spend as much time going to our Blessed Mother as we do every day here, invoking her assistance under the title of the Immaculate Conception. Go to her under that title. Uh, the bishops of the United States uh, began on Monday a nine-day novena leading up to the election. You can go to their website, usccb.org, usccb.org, and pray that novena. It's a very simple novena. It's a very simple intention. And then pray an Our Father, a Hail Mary, and a Glory Be for the particular intention of the day uh, that the bishops have outlined for us. We have to do this. Don't... Don't be afraid, and with all uh, faith and hope, go forward in our prayer, in our sacrifice, in our penance, in our fasting, and take this country, which is, as you know, we talk about this radio station being a beacon of light for our listeners, this country is a beacon of light for the world. And the devil would love to, to put that light out, but we won't let it happen. So we're going to Blessed Mother uh, fervently and going to our Lord faithfully and believing that we will see the hand of God rest upon this country. Uh, you know, we saw even the other night when, uh, as I was reading an article in the Catholic News Agency, that uh, bishops were saying that new Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett is, is one of our own, a woman of, of great faith. A great example for women uh, as a mother, as a, a, a wife, uh, as a professional, as someone who has of great integrity, uh, now sitting on the, the highest court in the land. A great voice, a great mind, a great heart for truth based on the Constitution of this United States, these United States. I, again, there's just so much we have to pray for. And... Uh, so much that, uh, that is disturbing a lot of people I know and confusing a lot of people, but don't be. Don't let the devil get the better of us. You know, tomorrow, or uh, Friday, um, we're going to have an exorcist on the program with Cheryl and me, an exorcist from the uh, Diocese of Indianapolis, who's written a book. Uh, and, um, you know, as we talked about yesterday, and I was sharing with you John Paul's teaching um, on the devil. Uh, he is very active, trust me. He is, and he is the father of lies, you know. He is the father of lies. He's the prince of this world. And we have to overcome that. And we can. We do. We, we, every time we, we, we proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, we do. We defeat the old boy. We defeat that enemy. Keep doing that. And invoke the assistance of our Blessed Mother, who he fears. He can't stand it because he knows she will crush his head. Don't let up. Don't give up. Keep forging ahead in prayer and faith and fasting and penance. And beg the Almighty God to rest his hand upon this country for truth and justice. Now, um, I know I'm kind of, I'm, there's so much I want to talk about today, and I see the clock just ticking away in front of me. Um, I don't know if you were aware of this, but um, 
I guess it was last week. It was actually on the, on the feast of John Paul II last week, October 22nd. The Constitutional Court of Poland in Warsaw um, declared that a law that was introduced in 1993, uh, which um, I guess I'm just going to I want to try to get the wording correctly here. It was a ruling on abortion, actually, on the Feast of John Paul II in Poland. Um, that, um, I just want to, again, I had it in front of me now, it disappeared. <laughs> See the old boy, oh, he loves to do this. Um, the, uh, well, the, the, the case was that it would, it would reduce significantly the number of abortions in um, in Poland. They said it was in, in oh actually here it is a law that, that was permitting abortion to be performed for fetal abnormalities. So there was a law in Poland that indicated since that was introduced in 1993 that was permitting abortions in Poland if the baby, the unborn baby, had any type of abnormality. Well, on October 22nd, the Feast of John Paul II, the Constitutional Court in Poland ruled it unconstitutional. And so that obviously would significantly reduce the reduction, uh, reduce the number of abortions in that country. Um, they still, sadly, abortions still continue to remain legal in cases of rape or incest for the risk of the mother's life. However, the sad thing is, is that once this ruling went through last week on the Feast of John Paul in Poland, uh, protesters began to disrupt masses, the holy sacrifice of the mass. And the Archbishop of Krakow uh, issued an appeal after this, these demonstrators interrupted Sunday masses across Poland. It wasn't just one church, it was across the country. And he said, since our master, Jesus Christ, has called for true love of our neighbor, I ask you to pray and fast for the understanding of this truth by all and for peace in our homeland. Now, this is the same uh, archdiocese of which John Paul was archbishop and cardinal so many years ago. Um in Krakow, it was reported that young Catholics stood outside churches amid protests in an effort to prevent disruption and cleaned up graffiti. Young Catholics. John Paul would be happy with that, wouldn't he? Um, the ruling cannot be appealed, and they say will uh, lead to a significant reduction in the number of abortions in the country. Um but these protesters were disrupting masses across Poland, leaving graffiti on church property. They even vandalized a statue of St. Pope John Paul II and chanted uh, uh, horrible slogans at clergy. Profanity, violence, abusive inscriptions, and the disturbances at mass, profanations that have been committed in recent days, the bishop said, although they may help some people to diffuse their emotions, are not the right way to act 
in a democratic state. So, obviously, the bishop now calling for prayer and fasting in the wake of this. The devil is very active, my brothers and sisters. And this morning, over in Rome, the Holy Father uh, asked that for St. Pope John Paul II's intercession, for all hearts to be inspired with a respect for life and praise for strength for those who welcome life with heroic love, the Holy Father said, through the intercession of Mary Most Holy and the Holy Polish Pontiff, I ask God to inspire in the hearts of all respect for the life of all our brothers, especially the most fragile and defenseless, and to give strength to those who welcome life and take care of it, even when it requires heroic love. So here's a, a, a ruling by the court in Poland declaring unconstitutional a law that had permitted abortions if the doctors observed fetal abnormalities. The unborn baby with some type of what you would call a handicap or an abnormality. They said that's unconstitutional. You can't do that. And today Pope Francis prayed for the intercession of our Blessed Mother and St. Pope John Paul II asking that God inspire all people, all hearts, to respect the life of all of our brothers and sisters, especially the most fragile and defenseless. And then, too, to give strength to those who welcome it and take care of it, even when it requires heroic love. And how many brothers and sisters, even in this country, my friends, do we see? And it's, 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 we've heard stories of this, and, and truly heroic love when parents are told by their doctors that their unborn child has some sort of abnormality or some sort of, of, of uh, deformity and say, so what? We, we love this baby. We want this baby. I remember even when we, and this is, you know, our, our, our oldest son is going to be 32 years old in uh, January. But I do remember, even then, 32 years ago, right around this time, as we waited, he was born in January. So it was right around this time where our doctor, who I think was a very lovely uh, person, but a, a doctor of her times, who wanted to do an amniocentesis. And I said, well, why? Well, that way we can determine if there's any abnormalities. And Cheryl and I looked at each other, well, so what? It makes, it'll make no difference to us. We want this baby. You see, this is, and that was 30, over 30 years ago. You see what's happening here and, and how sad it is that we have, we have allowed ourselves to be so, uh, become so numb to the beauty of life. And here, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, again, I'm just going to read this again before we take our break. It's basically a prayer. Through the intercession of Mary Most Holy and St. Pope John Paul II, Pope Francis said this morning, I ask God to inspire in the hearts of all respect for the life of our brothers and sisters, especially the most fragile and defenseless, and to give strength to those who welcome life and take it care, even when it requires heroic love. 
So we pray today and thank the courts of Poland last week on the feast of St. Pope John Paul II to declare unconstitutional in the country of Poland a law that would allow abortion based on fetal abnormality. It's unconstitutional, and sadly, the devil took the, took the goes to the streets. But let's take a break, come back with more. We're going to go to Splendor of Truth. Don't go away, more to come on Come to Me. The Gospels did not start the Church. The Church started the Gospels. The Church did not come out of the Gospels. It was the Gospels that came out of the Church. The Church preceded the New Testament, not the New Testament, the Church. Men did not believe in the Resurrection because the Gospels said there was a Resurrection. The Gospel writers wrote down the story of the Crucifixion, for example, and the Resurrection, because they believed it. Now in life, the Church did not come to believe in the virgin birth because the Gospels tell us there is a virgin birth. It was because the living Word of God in His mystical body of the Church already believed it, and they set it down in the Gospels. Listen to Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen every Sunday morning at 7.30, right here where you are family, Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Hello, brothers and sisters. This is Sister Ann Shields speaking to you from Food for the Journey, a program that is heard on Domestic Church Radio Monday through Friday at 6.30 a.m. I want to encourage you to listen to that program, not because I'm doing it, but because I speak of the scripture readings for the day, and the Word of God is what gives us life. Brothers and sisters, today we need life. What have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I told her I love her. Instead of sitting on the couch, I hope she's coming up. I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I sent my husband a love email. What have I done for my marriage today? Good question. I gave her a call and say, thinking of it. And the kids. I uh, did her hair this morning. It looks pretty good. We're going to the museum as a family. What have I done for my marriage today? I made my wife coffee and breakfast this morning. It's going to be her birthday next week, so I've been spending time today making arrangements to make that extra special. Oh, it's every day. About an orchid. Hassan was able to let me sleep in by taking him care of him in the morning. I read the newspaper to my wife, and it cracked her up. She's been, she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Small changes can make a world of difference. Get started at foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. Do you want to end abortion? Halt the attack on traditional marriage and ensure religious freedom for ourselves and for our grandchildren? To do this, we must convert the culture. St. Paul's Street Evangelization is a grassroots initiative that recognizes this need and takes it to the streets. If you're interested in peacefully sharing the gospel in your area, visit streetevangelization.com to learn more. We want to invite you to pray the rosary with us. The rosary is many things, but perhaps the best way to think about the rosary is to think about it as a spiritual place, as an invisible chapel that you can enter into even in a busy time of life. 
pray the Holy Rosary with Father Benedict Rochelle, mornings at 9.30, right here on Domestic Church Radio. Hi, I'm Mike Walsh, co-host of Talking Catholic. Every week, our show will bring you in-depth interviews with the hard-working people doing the Lord's work in parishes, schools, and ministries. Our increasingly secularized world often makes it easy to forget that we are surrounded by wonderful workers in the vineyard. On Talking Catholic, we will bring you their perspectives on how we can better serve God and our neighbors. Tune in to Talking Catholic on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Mondays at 4 p.m. I'm Cheryl. I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name the Catholic Team. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the Gospel, communicating hope on these domestic church media stations. On this October 28, 2020, the Feast of St. Simon and Jude. And uh, praying that you are praying for all of your uh, intentions that might seem like impossible ones. Because nothing is impossible with God. Uh, and these wonderful saints intercede for us. And so uh, they go before the throne of God, and Almighty God can do anything. Nothing is not bound by uh, time and space or human limitations. So don't be afraid to ask, even for the impossible. Because if it's within God's will and with God's will, compliant with God's will, you can count on it. All right, let's, uh, well, let me just mention again, uh, we're going to go to the splendor of truth in just a moment. And boy, do we need that. Um, But before we do that, again, my brothers and sisters, I just want to remind you that, as I said earlier, we are going to have our radiothon this year. We didn't have it in the spring. It was scheduled for April 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, but that was right in the thick of the pandemic, and we knew that our family of listeners and viewers had much more on their minds at that time uh, than um, our radiothon, so we decided to postpone it. But as I've shared with you, um, it is so important for us uh, because the Radiothon every year represents the, the, the funds that we raise and have raised, and each year it's gotten better and better, which is great. I, I believe last year, not I believe, I know, last year was the best Radiothon we ever had, uh, and the funds raised in last year's Radiothon, 2019, represented about 43% of our entire operating budget for the year. Uh, we'd like it to be even more. Because if we could, if we could, if we could uh, even raise more than than that percentage, that would be great. Um, but you can imagine then not having had it for this past year, this past spring, as we normally do, and not receiving those funds 
what type of financial situation we find ourselves in. Now, so many of you have been so faithful and generous to us even during these months, and we thank you for that. Please keep it up. But we do have to have our Radiothon, and we are going to have it December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Uh, December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, Bruce Tobacco and I will once again be hosting. Uh, Cheryl will pop in every now and then. Uh, but it will be a little different because we won't have all the the, the wonderful um, crew that we have in here normally here at the station because of the uh, virus. So um, they'll be off-site taking your phone calls and taking your pledges. I'm just asking you now over the next month, please pray. And I know a lot of people are looking for end-of-year recipients for your charity or your, your uh, generosity. Um, maybe just hold off. And when it comes time for the Radiothon, uh, you can participate. We are very excited, though, because even prior to last spring, you know, we started in the the new year, in January, um, reaching out to some of our uh, regular benefactors about matching gifts. And we have, right now, uh, matching gifts in the bank. So during the Radiothon, the first $56,000 will be mat- raised, will be matched dollar for dollar. Right? Listen to that. Uh, for our Radiothon, December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, the first $56,000 will raised will be matched dollar for dollar. So what that means is if you make a pledge of $100, it will be matched dollar for dollar. So it becomes $200. If you make a pledge of $1,000, it will be matched, become $2,000. The first $56,000 raised in our Radiothon will be matched dollar for dollar. So many of you, my friends, listen, you're looking to make end-of-year donations to charitable causes. Well, of course, Domestic Church Media is a 501c3 nonprofit charity. Maybe you want to make a $10,000 gift uh, before 2020 is over. If you make that uh, that $10,000 gift, during our Radiothon, December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, it becomes $20,000. So please pray about that. Think about that. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your heart. The first $56,000 raised during our Radiothon will be matched dollar for dollar. So we thank God for that. It will be a big help to us. It will carry us you know, make up this enormous deficit we find ourselves in right now for 2020 because of not having had the Radiothon uh, back in the spring. So mark your calendars, December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. And we'll do the same thing we always do. We won't, you know, preempt for three days straight. We'll come in and out of programming, remind you, you know, to help us, tell you where we are, what we're raising. Um, And we're praying that by 7 o'clock on December 4th, that's a Friday, first Friday, um, we will have had the best Radiothon yet. As I said, one um, thing we are so grateful uh, to Almighty God for is that throughout the pandemic, throughout the virus, throughout the closures, the shutdowns, the quarantines, the lockdowns, we have been here open for business and the business of spreading the gospel. As I said, our our image that we all seem to be focusing on uh, as we prepare for the Radiothon is the lighthouse. In the storms of 2020 that we've all faced, we find ourselves even still going through. 
Domestic church media has been a lighthouse, a light shining, guiding the ships of our souls into safe harbor. The safe harbor of our faith and the love of Jesus Christ. We want to keep doing that strongly, vibrantly, without compromise, boldly in 2021 and beyond. We need you. December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, please support this work during our Radiothon 2020. And as I said, the first $56,000 raised will be matched dollar for dollar. So pray about your end-of-year giving, your end-of-year donations. Now's the time to think about it, set it aside, and designate domestic church media during our Radiothon as the recipient of that generosity. And your gift can be matched dollar for dollar up to the first $56,000. Hey, listen, maybe somebody wants to make a $50,000 gift. Boom! That becomes $100,000. Pray about it, my brothers and sisters. We need you. Just as the Lord has asked us to serve him in this way, in this apostolate, we will continue to shine brightly, as brightly as he allows us, and as brightly as you allow us through your generosity. God bless you. All right, let's go to... Um, Veritatis Splendor, and as I said, this is something that uh, the um, really the first encyclical that I ever, the papal encyclical that I ever read um, back in 1993. I was still in my corporate position, as I said, to those of you who know my story, you know, I was working for FedEx, a wonderful company to work for. Uh, very good to their employees and, and, and very fair and, and uh, doing a good business back in the mid-1990s. Uh, I was being groomed. Uh, I was in management, being groomed for a middle and upper management uh, and, and uh, thought that would be my life. I thought that was going to, you know, we just showed on I, in 1993, we had three children, four, two, and uh, a newborn and had a home, and a, a modest home, and, and a couple of cars, and we were the whole American dream. We were married for, at that point, uh, in 93, married for uh, eight, eight years. and No, were we married for eight years? Yeah, eight years. Um, and looking ahead to a future. You know? But I was being, the Holy Spirit was really tugging at my heart. In many ways, and I didn't, I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know what it was. All I knew is all of a sudden some things began to just not sit well with me in my vocation, job. As I said, the company was very good, wonderful company to work for. They were very good to their employees, uh, had a wonderful policy of, of, of you know, uh, treating their employees well. I had the 401K. I had the, you know, at that point, uh, working up to four weeks vacation. I was uh, a year away from being uh, um, fully vested in the com- in the company, and um, but something just wasn't. Something was 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 rumbling, you know. And then in August of '93, my pastor, God rest his soul, has since passed away. Uh, he had he, he had asked me to be on the, the par- uh, parish pastoral council. And uh, he gave me an advanced copy of a new encyclical letter by St. then Pope John Paul II, Veritatis Splendor. And I had never read a, a papal encyclical in its entirety. 
And I remember it was August day, and I remember sitting on we had a, a screened-in porch. Cheryl was, I think, had a couple, you know, as a musician, had a couple of weddings and things at the parish. And so I was home with the three kids. I think Anthony was asleep. He was still a, a, an infant. And uh, Angela and, and Joseph, who were uh, uh, four and two respectively, were playing. It was a lovely day. And they were playing on the porch, and, and I was reading this encyclical. And it, it seemed I couldn't put it down. I kept looking, at, and, and, and something was just grasping my heart. And I remember reading this particular part in the uh, encyclical, where John Paul wrote, talking about questions, what is freedom? And what is, what is its relationship to the truth contained in God's law? What is the role of conscience in man's moral development? How do we determine, in accordance with the truth about the good, the specific rights and duties of the human person, can all be summed up in the fundamental question which the young man in the gospel put to Jesus? And then he quotes from Matthew. Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? And I, I, I looked around, you know, and I, I uh, as I said, I had a, a wonderful life. There were these two beautiful little children playing on this sunlit porch in this August Saturday afternoon. Another beautiful little baby asleep in his crib. A beautiful wife who was out serving the church as, a, as a, an organist and, and, and a musician at a couple of weddings. In those days, they had, believe it or not, they had two or three weddings on a church on Saturdays. I don't even know if that happened anymore. But, you know, imagine that, two or three weddings. And I, I looked at the question again. Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? I'm doing, I think I'm living a faithful life here. I, I, uh, we're, we're, you know, we have a, a, a beautiful marriage. We have a beautiful family. We pray. We're doing the best we can to live a, a, you know, a good life, teaching our children about God. And but then the Holy Father wrote this. He said, because the church has been sent by Jesus to preach the gospel and to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that he has commanded, she today once more puts forward the Master's reply. A reply that possesses a light and power capable of answering even the most controversial and complex questions. The light and power also impel the church constantly to carry out not only her dogmatic, but also her moral reflection with an interdisciplinary context, which is especially necessary in facing new issues. And I again thought, what must I do? Am I doing all that the Lord has asked of me? And at that time, as I said, I was in a very comfortable, uh, secular corporate position with a lot of, of uh, great possibility for the future, with a great company, with a, with a, with a wonderful retirement plan and uh, opportunities for advancement and, and increased salaries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I was thinking more about what my pastor had asked me to do as a member of the parish pastoral council as the more important work. 
And I began to read this encyclical letter, and I'm thinking, yeah, well, that, I mean, it's great that I'm doing all that uh, at the secular level, but what about on the spiritual level? What about my work for the church and building up the kingdom? And I read that, again, uh, quote from Matthew 28, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that he has commanded and that we're all called to do that. You know, today we celebrate the feast of one of the apostles, Saints Simon and Jude. And we think about that time during our Lord's public ministry 2,000 years ago with this group of men, ordinary men, who were pulled from their the life they were living and, and, the, and the vocation that they had as fishermen, in one case a tax collector, you know, and other areas of life, to do something that was unfamiliar, yet something that was so powerful. Because their hearts were turned by Christ to him. And I, I, I felt that. I didn't know it at the time. I don't, I don't believe it. It was only a few years after that that Cheryl and I had the chance to meet Mother Angelica at the Valley Forge Music Fair when she was making a public appearance. Uh, and that opportunities one by one began to present themselves to us. Now, the Holy Father continued, and this is from Veritatis Splendor, it is in the same light and power now see this is what the devil does. He messes around with my computer. <laughs> oh dear. There we go. It is in that same light and power that the church's magisterium continues to carry out the task of discernment, accepting uh, and living out the admonition addressed by the Apostle Paul to Timothy. This is from 2 Timothy. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be urgent in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, and exhort be unfailing in patience and in teaching. For the time will come when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own likings and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. As for you... Always be steady. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. It's like the Lord was speaking directly to my heart. That's from 2 Timothy 4 and Titus 1. And I felt this, this inner rumbling. And I looked around again at my, my beautiful, beautiful little children, now all grown adults. Oh, I can't believe how fast the time has gone. And I thank God for the life that he has give, had given me, because uh, ten years earlier, I never thought I would have a life like that. 
10 years earlier, 1983, uh, I, was, I was a wandering soul looking for something, looking for it in all the wrong places, as the song goes. And here I was 10 years later with, with, a, with a, a lovely little home, uh, beautiful family, a secure job with advancement possibilities, a good salary. But I felt the Lord saying, I need you. And I received in the mail the other day, as we receive every day, lovely, you know, with, with the, the, the very uh, beautiful donations that you send to us, uh, so many of you take the time to jot a quick little note, and I thank you for that. Someone wrote to us and how much they appreciated domestic church media being here throughout this pandemic and to keep it going. And the, the individual wrote, Something to the effect that I know you can do it, Jim. You know, when I think about my life, <laughs> uh, if I ever write this stuff down and put it into an autobiography, I thought about the title. One title I thought about was "Get Out of My Way." <laughs> and today, it's funny. I was I was uh, getting dressed for the day, and I, I was thinking about that as I was thinking about this program, and I thought. Another great title I would use for my own personal autobiography is Don't Tell Me I Can't Do It. <laughs> because that's always been my, my M.O. Modus operandi. My, my, my mode of operation. Don't tell me I can't do it. Because if you tell me I can't do it, I'm going to do it. I don't mean like uh, anything um, unorthodox or sinful. But I'm saying people who say... You know, you're not able to do this because of your limitations. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Don't tell me I can't do it. The Lord has given me great uh, grace to not be afraid of obstacles. In fact, when I see an obstacle, to find a way around it. You know, I think one of the things, as, as someone myself who has physical limitations, and not, not big, more so now because of my sciatica, but... Uh, you know, having had polio when I was uh, nine months old back in the, uh, the 1955, and ever since I've had to wear a brace on my leg and be limited in walking and running and other physical activity, it was just enough, <laughs> just enough to keep me anchored so I wouldn't run off uh, down the path to perdition. But it's always taught me, don't be afraid of the obstacles. In fact, it will make me work harder to overcome them. I remember trying out for the Little League when I was nine years old. Now, because of my limited uh, ability with my legs, I had to use my arms a lot in, in, in walking and doing stairs and things with my arms. My upper body strength was greatly developed. I was like a, a little miniature bodybuilder when I was nine years old. And I loved baseball, and I was good at it. And I remember trying out for the Little League. And as a nine-year-old, you know, there, there were different levels of Little League. The first level was the Peepees, I guess, the Peepees. And they had the other different mid-minors mid, uh, and majors. But I remember in trying out for the Little League, and we were at the, the Little League field, and there was a fence, you know, a home. And I was hitting balls farther as a nine-year-old than the 13-year-olds were. I was really tagging them. Yeah, I was tagging them. 
But I was limited in the way I ran. I, I couldn't run fast. I didn't have to run. I always went to my home run trot. But I remember after that, the the Little League uh, coach came over. I was in the car with my dad, and, and he said, well, because of your son's handicap, where, where he can't run, we'll have to have a runner for him. And I was so prideful. I said, I want to run by myself. Well, you can't, because he might fall down, and I don't know what they're afraid of. So I told him, my father said, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. I said, I don't want to do it. I'll do it my own way. <laughs> I'll do it my own way. It's always been the way. And so this, this beautiful encyclical letter, the, the Splendor of Truth by John Paul II, really inspired me. And it was the beginning of the tug on my heart to do what we're doing today. Here we are so many years later with four uh, Catholic radio stations going around the world with all the technology, still preaching the gospel in season and out of season, whether convenient or inconvenient, boldly and without compromise. It was truly an inspiration. If you never read it, I encourage you, go to the, the Vatican website, vatican.va, and uh, click on the John Paul section and check it out. Veritatis Splendor. It is a beautiful, beautiful document. We need truth. We need, my brothers and sisters, the splendor of truth. Okay, i got to go. Now, in case you want, uh, listening, again, I had a pre-record. There was no video today, so don't think there's anything wrong with your YouTube or your Facebook. Uh, it was a pre-recorded program earlier today. I'll be back tomorrow, God willing, for Catechism Day. And as I said, Friday, on uh, the Friday program with Cheryl, we have an exorcist joining us on the day before Halloween. So stay, you know, make sure you tune into that. Have a great rest of your day. St. Jude, pray for us. My name is Jim Manfredonia. Thanks for listening. God bless you, and God love you. Uh,